Good morning, afternoon, and evening, CSS Nation. We are back for episode 18 and continuing on with Amy Standards. How you doing, Pernell? I'm doing good, Harry. How are you? Excellent, as always. You know me. I'm always excellent. You know, I'm really excited because uh, going into the uh, continuing on with the Amy Standards here. And so, but before we get into that, just a quick reminder that uh, you can all follow us in, on the Facebook CSS Nation. You can also go to our YouTube uh, channel on Central Sterilization Solutions. Be sure to like and subscribe. Uh, all right. So um, as stated before, uh, we've been doing shows on the Amy Standards, specifically decontamination. And we're going to finish up uh, the section for 7.5, and then we're going to continue on then with 7.6. So let's go ahead and bring that up. All right. All right. So um, Amy Standards 7.5.2.2.4, Interior <laughs> Baskets. So the interior basket should be removed from the external container and the container manufacturer's written IFUs should be followed to determine whether instruments can be decontaminated in the basket or should be removed. And the rationale is separation of the internal basket from the external container allows for effective decontamination. Now, Pernell, how many times have you seen people try to put the container and the baskets through together? Oh, all the time. And um, obviously not a good practice. And according to 7.5.2.2.4 interior baskets, you want to check uh, with the IFU, but typically uh, we want to separate the basket from the container for cleaning. Right. And typically the interior basket is going to be fine for you to be able to place your instrumentation in there. Uh, again, following the manufacturer's instructions as far as disassembling any instrument that can come apart, should be taken apart. Making sure you're following the IFUs when it comes to lumens, proper brush sizes and such. So let's go into the next page. Uh, so this was point four. Let's go into point five. Process indicators, disposable labels, and disposable locks should be removed and discarded. The rationale, of course, is the presence of process indicators or fragments of disposable labels or locking mechanisms on the surface of the container system impedes or blocks decontamination and the proper functioning of mechanical processing equipment. We see this all the time, don't we, H? We sure do. And uh, it's not just the fact that, let's say, during the impingement process, those locks will be blocking certain sections of the items uh, being washed. Uh, it can also get into the mechanical or the mechanism of the washer, whether it's the cart washer or the instrument washer. And oftentimes what happens is that uh, even though you have a screen on the bottom of your washer uh, that's supposed to filter out those particulates, those 
uh, pieces of labels and uh, you know plastic and such, oftentimes those still can get through, get sucked into the the pump, and then get injected into your spray arms that, and then over time, can clog the spray arms, which is going to impede the uh, the impingement process or the force spray force of the washer arm. So you got to be very careful. Not only that, it could also get stuck in the pump and just uh, break the machine itself. Uh, it'll wear out and burn up the uh, the suction pump uh, in uh, the machine. So we don't want to do that. Yeah, the last thing we need when you have two rooms of hips and knees running in the operating room is to be down a washer. That might pose a problem. Yeah, especially if you have those tunnel washers where, you know, the manufacturer says, oh, you need to get our tunnel washers. It's five machines in one. Yes, right. but when one section breaks down, the whole thing breaks down. So uh, I prefer myself the cube washers, but still, let's say you have five cube washers and one of them's down, 20% of your productivity is now uh, been cut from... Yep being able to process uh, items from decontamination to the prep assembly side. That's right. Then we have uh, 7.5.2.2.6, the container accessories, such as protective mats, dividers, and sorting pins that are not affixed to the tray. These should be disassembled or removed according to the manufacturer's written IFUs. Now, the rationale behind this is if the position of the dividers and pins interfere with the cleaning of the basket, the effectiveness of the sterilization could be compromised. I know that uh, back in the day when I first started in the field, we would have surgical towels that we would line the bottom of the baskets. And then as the industry progressed, we started using the rubber mats, those protective mats. But so how only. often are you checking the IFU of the rubber mat? How often are you actually taking the rubber mat and scrubbing it down? Yeah, well, we should know and understand the IFU for anything that is in that container. Anything that's associated with that basket, pins, dividers, those all need to be clean and they need to be cleaned appropriately. And the only way we can effectively clean them is by following the manufacturer's IFU. And so that ends the section for the 7.5 as far as containers and container accessories. Now we're going to go into 7.6. 7.6, cleaning, 7.6.1, general considerations. We are reviewing some of the ST79 standard 79 standards. The standards are on steam sterilization in healthcare facilities. Effective sterilization depends on minimizing contamination, including detergent and water residues present on items before the sterilization cycle. And thorough cleaning procedures are essential during pre-sterilization processing. 
not all cleaning and decontamination procedures and agents are appropriate for all types of devices. Adherence to the manufacturer's written IFU for detergents and other aspects of the cleaning and decontamination process can help avert damage to devices, prolong their use life, and prevent the creation of crevices in which debris can collect. Yeah, pretty so straightforward stuff. Yeah, it is. I, I totally agree. I mean, it's there's no real ambiguity when it comes to the Amy standards. Uh, the problem is, is most people have them in their department, at least ST79, uh, oftentimes locked up in the manager's office and the staff don't have direct access to it. So I think that's why it's so important that we go through these and uh, be able to share them with the audience so that they have a better understanding. And CSS Nation, we know that some of you have wonderful and effective managers who make you aware of these very important um, standards, and we applaud them. Uh, CSS Nation, you need to know AMI standards. They are the basis for most of the policies and procedures in your department having to do with sterilization. It is a wonderful and critically important resource, Mr. H. It truly is. So let's go into the some of the bullet points for this particular section. So bullet point A, items should be pre-treated with an initial cold water rinse with running tap water or an initial soak in cool water and or in a uh, clinical soil dissolving uh, pretreatment product. Now this can be an enzymatic cleaner or some type of pH neutral detergent. So they're actually hinting upon the point of use processing. And uh, the purpose behind cold water is that oftentimes you have blood and if you use hot water right off the bat, it can oftentimes set the blood so that it makes it harder to clean. Yeah, in fact, it, it congeals or cooks um, the blood. So we definitely don't want to start off the process by making it more difficult. An initial cold water rinse um, or an enzymatic treatment of some kind um, is appropriate. Absolutely. B, after pretreatment, devices should be cleaned according to the manufacturer's instructions for use. Pretty straightforward stuff. Yeah, and how, but even though it's straightforward, how many times do we go into a department when we're doing a uh, survey readiness check and oftentimes the IFUs are not available uh, to the staff? Yeah, Mr. H, there's no reason that any modern CS department should not have a tool for, for researching and looking up IFU information. That should be standard. Right. And as we all know, the primary company that's out there for people 
Uh, we have one source docs that you can go to that it's internet based. So uh, you have a subscription to it and all the staff uh, can have immediate access uh, to it. It's just a wonderful tool. Good stuff. All right, C, devices should be thoroughly rinsed. If a basin is used, the rinse water should be changed after each use. The final rinse, whether it be mechanical or manual, should be with purified water. Now, the examples of that could be distilled water, reverse osmosis water, or deionized water. And that should be something that should be at the sink uh, we're talking about uh, the cleaning in the sink at this point. We're not talking about the final rinse of in the washer, although your final rinse in the washer should also be pre-treated water. Now, for the recommendations as far as, you know, where to find uh, where it talks about using critical water, you want to see the Amy standard TIR uh, 34 for recommendations on the use of critical water. Absolutely, Harry. Essential that the final rinse uh, be completed with treated water. Um, you know, if the water is treated, obviously we've minimized or we've decreased to a very low level any substances or any microorganisms that could be on that item prior to inspection, assembly, and sterilization. Very important. D, cloths and towels used in decontamination should be clean and non-linting. Examples, microfiber cloth is good to use, A cellulose sponge, uh, these items should be changed at regular established intervals and when they are soiled or wet. Oftentimes at our sink area, as we're staging our instruments, we need something to absorb some of that excess moisture. Well, the items that we use need to be lint-free. Um, if we're using cleaning cloths on our pans or any instruments, they need to be lint-free as well. The last thing we want is a foreign object getting into somebody's wound and causing issues. Lint-free, we change them once they get wet or once they're soiled, and we need to change them out regularly and this should be set. Mr. H? So let's go on to E. Brushes should be checked for visible soil as well as damage following each use and should be frequently cleaned and disinfected. Brushes should be stored clean and dry. Now, what this is referring to is if you're using reusable brushes, uh, then you should be checking it for the visible soil you should be doing decontamination of your brushes at the end of your shift. Uh, there are certain brushes that are single use for, let's say, if you're using them on endoscopes, then you're going to use them once and then discard them. 
But then again, we have reusable brushes for endoscope as well. So follow the IFUs and know that they're one-time use during that scope. And then they follow with the scope and go through the uh, disinfection process and sterilization prior to being back in, uh, brought back into decontamination. But your other brushes uh, for cleaning regular instrumentation, again, you need to inspect them. You need to see, first of all, again, visible soil. If so, uh, then let's say halfway through your shift, it's visibly soiled. You need to go through the decontamination process. Let it go through the washer, uh, be uh, thermal disinfected, then come through the uh, back through to the other side to be able to use it again. Also, we use certain types of brushes that go through lumens. And when that takes place, again, the damage could be in the the wire that sometimes it gets bent. And so if you're using that, putting it through a lumen, that wire could be pushed up against the side of the lumen and causing micro scratches, then allows minerals to build up, allows uh, bile burden to form. Uh, more importantly, biofilm uh, starts to form. And it's very, once it sets, it's very difficult uh, to remove. And again, so the brushes should be stored clean and dry. We don't want any moisture in those brushes because it can harbor uh, or allow bacteria to grow. And then we don't want them to uh, cross-contaminate when you're using them later on down the line. Absolutely. And again, Mr. H here, as you've said, the key here is the brushes should be checked for visible soil and damage following each use. That just keeps us sharp. Again, as we all have learned throughout the entire process of reprocessing instruments, we're inspecting all the way through. And this is just, you know, a continuation of that. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know how many times when I was a young technician that I would just use them throughout the day, didn't bother to mm -hmm. inspect them, wasn't trained to, uh, wasn't aware of these AMI standards telling us to. And these standards have been around for a long time. F, single-use cleaning implements should be discarded after each use. We would think that that would go without saying, but we're always about reinforcing critical and important tasks. If it's a single-use item for cleaning, a pipe cleaner, a sponge, if it's labeled as a single-use cleaning item, it should be discarded per the standards after each use. Stop trying to save the hospital money. That's not your job. If it's a disposable, single-use cleaning item, discard it after you use it. Just a reminder to all of you technicians out there, uh, oftentimes you are the, believe it or not, content expert. You have managers that are wanting you to reuse devices in order to save money. Uh, but in the long run, remember, we're here about patient safety. And oftentimes you are going to be uh, the last chance that that patient can be uh, put uh, out of harm's way. And so, you need to be able to stand up to your managers to say that, no, this item is a single-use implement. 
and it needs to be discarded. That's what the instructions for you say, because you have to bring up to the fact that, all right, let's say we do reuse it. Yes, we're saving the hospital money. Maybe, maybe not. What happens if we're reusing something and it damages the instrument or it causes the instrument to remain unclean, the patient gets an infection, uh, the patient decides to sue the hospital. They have very good lawyers nowadays that are uh, hiring content experts such as yourselves, us, that we know what's supposed to take place. And by interviewing staff, we know when somebody has done their job correctly and when they haven't. And oftentimes can cause the facility to be liable for heavy penalties. So is it really saving the hospital money when you uh, reuse an item that's only a couple of dollars or in the long run, will it possibly cost the uh, facility thousands, if not a couple hundred thousand, possibly up to millions of dollars? Yeah. Um, we can't forget that we're patient advocates. And it is our job to look out for the patient. The patient is there at the hospital. The patient has entrusted the surgeon to take care of them. By extension, um, they're trusting us. And so we have to look out for them and we have to do what's right for the patient. Absolutely. Right on, Harry. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So. Next is G, devices should be inspected for flaws, damage, mm. debris, detergent residue, and completeness then dried. So we're not talking necessarily about your disposable components, your cleaning brushes and stuff. Now we're talking about going back to the instruments, the containers, uh, it could be the power equipment that you're inspecting to make sure that somehow we did not damage it, that we did not leave debris and residue of any sort, whether it's detergent or blood, we want to make sure that these devices are in perfect order before they're being placed into the washer and before or passed through the window uh, onto the clean side of the department. Yeah, Harry, again, we're inspecting all the way through the process. And this is another point reinforcing exactly that. Um, yes, this is in the decontamination area. Um, we inspect throughout the entire reprocessing process. Absolutely. H, brushing is a cleaning function and should only be done in the decontamination area and not in the clean preparation and assembly area. I know nobody does that. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> if a medical device is found to be dirty upon inspection in the assembly area, it should be returned to the decontamination area for cleaning. I'm gonna let you jump on this one, Mr. H, and then I'll have a little my two cents. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, because you know this is a pet peeve of mine. I don't know how many times I go into my departments where I've worked and I've managed where I find cleaning brushes. I'm not talking about the 
pipe cleaners. Pipe cleaners are used, uh, can be used for inspection uh, and it's not meant for cleaning, but I will actually find cleaning brushes, the ones that whether they have the stainless steel bristles or the nylon bristles that they look like toothbrushes or the ones that are meant to clean the inside of a lumen when you're on the decontamination side. And I get staff members telling me all the time, well, I'm using it for inspection. No, there's no way these uh, implements, these brushes have not been approved as an inspection device to check the quality of the cleaning that somebody did. You know, so, uh, and I see this all the time. I know you were joking when you said that, I know this doesn't happen, but oh my goodness, it's, um, I would say in the last three or four departments that I've managed, uh, actually all of them did this. And it was just, I was constantly daily going through and not taking, picking up those brushes and bringing them back to decontamination. I would literally get them and throw them in the trash and I would be so grandiose about it. And the staff would think I was uh, crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Harry, um, Knowing the standards um, really elevates um, your game, and we should be all about that. So if the standards are what they are, standards, look, it says brushing is a cleaning function. Cleaning happens in one place in the department, and that's the decontamination area. And it happens there for a very specific reason, as we know. We don't want cross-contamination. Yes, we've seen brushes and those kinds of things in the assembly area, but we've also seen people cleaning in the assembly area. Um, obviously, if that's happening, that needs to stop. Um, we're cross-contaminating. Uh, brushing is a cleaning function, and we clean in the decontamination area for you know, the reasons that we do it there cross-contamination. Mr. H. Yeah. Well, and I'm going to go into the final slide here. Uh, we've just gone over the different bullet points in this section, A through H. And finally, just want to go over the rationale that they have, uh, where it states that a cold water rinse and the use of pretreatment products will help prevent coagulation of blood onto the device and help remove the blood, tissue, and gross debris from the device's lumens, the joints, as well as serrations. Pre-cleaning solutions can interfere with subsequent cleaning steps. So the mechanical washers are programmed for specific cycles with specific cleaning agents, and introducing a pre-soak spray or gel can interfere with the function of these pre-programmed cycle steps and the cleaning agent used. If the spray or gel is not rinsed off during manual cleaning, it can interfere with the subsequent steps in the cleaning process. And so basically what this is saying is that, uh, as we know, first of all, we may be using some type of pre-treatment uh, chemical or gel that is made from one manufacturer and the chemicals that we're using in our washers are from another manufacturer and as we know because 
one manufacturer formulates its chemicals one way and another one formulates it another way and mixing those chemicals together even in small amounts can impede or deactivate each other and so we're wanting to make sure that first of all all residue all debris everything is removed from the instrument prior to putting it into your mechanical washer uh, because the washer has what it needs in order to do the job right. Absolutely 100% correct. Rinsing is just as important as cleaning, as Harry just alluded to. Um, if we don't clean things appropriately, then we can have those kinds of interactions that are not good for the cleaning process. Rinsing is critically important and we should adhere to the IFUs when it comes to rinsing as well. Again, I think this kind of highlights that rinsing is just as important as any of the other processes in the decontamination area. If you don't know, you don't know. The way you know is by, get, is by getting yourself familiar with the AMI standards. Remember, most of your policies and procedures are pretty much based on these AMI standards and the CDC stuff, which we'll get into at some point. Um, these AMI standards are available. You can go to their website. Um, if your manager has them locked up in the office, you let him or her know that they need to share the wealth. Yeah, Mr. H. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the, so these uh, these AMI standards are available. Honestly, I think it's a great investment. Uh, I personally have purchased all the standards myself. Uh, it's time for me to go ahead and, and repurchase them because they've gone and had uh, new updates. I'm actually waiting for the 2021 release of the new ST79 that should come out before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. or it'll be a 2022 release but when that happens i will be definitely getting them now remember amy clearly states they they set standards and what the standards are is they're setting the standards that manufacturers follow in writing their ifus amy does not dictate what those ifus are to be they just dictate how they should be presented to us so Amy always says, go back to the IFU, the instructions for use. So it's just as important to have access to your Amy standards, as well as to have access to those IFUs. And one more time, just to let you know, the one company that I'm aware of that's online is One Source Docs that you can go get access to these IFUs. That's right, and if anybody out there is working in a department and you don't have access to IFUs, um, call us, let us know who that manager or director is, and Harry will talk to them. <laughs> I sure will, I sure will. Well, that wraps up another show, Purnell. Um, I really like this one. We will be coming back with additional chapters and uh, sections of the Amy standards. Again, uh, in a previous show, our last episode where I announced what the results of the vote were, 
I did mention that we are going to be uh, doing a manager's corner again, uh, as well as bringing on additional vendors to talk about their products. And so want you to stay tuned for that. Absolutely. Looking forward to those shows. Um, we have lots of exciting things coming up. Uh, we promised you uh, about a month ago that we would have some folks on the show to talk about residues in the air um, in the CS area. And uh, we're lining that up and we're hoping uh, to be able to bring you something really soon. And with that, Pernell, my final question to you is, do you have anything else to share? Um, we'll be back. <laughs>